What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Thursday, May 20th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the blind gamer, Steve Saylor. Hello, Steve. Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well for me. You know, I, I look at my schedule. I'm like not too crazy of a day. However, you have a jam packed day. Of course, it is Global Accessibility Awareness Day. We, you hit me up. You said you wanted to come on. You wanted to host this day. I said, of course, Steve, we're always there for you. But then I'm looking around the internet. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's gather the news up. I go to the Xbox wire. And what is, do I find? You're doing a stream with Xbox like immediately after Kind of Funny Games Daily. You're a crazy yep. person. Do you have enough energy, Steve? Oh, I've I've already loaded myself up with coffee today. Uh, okay. And I'm probably going to order a bunch uh, later on today. So, yeah, it's 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 a pretty packed day, but it's an exciting day for sure. And so talk to us about it. Global Accessibility Awareness Day. What does it mean to you and what is it like? What what can we all do to be a part of it? So, yeah, this is actually the uh, 10th anniversary of uh, Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And of course, my focus is obviously in the gaming side, but essentially it's a day across the world where we get to celebrate uh, amazing uh, like innovations and inclusion uh, for people with dis uh, disabilities, because uh, fifteen percent of the entire uh, global population uh, does consider themselves disabled, and when even on the gaming side, there's roughly over about two hundred and fifty million disabled gamers globally, and that's a huge uh, that's a huge number of people that want to be able to uh, to play games, but either can't because either a physical or or a mental disability, and so. Essentially, today is just, uh, there's some really cool stuff that uh, a lot of uh, companies are doing, but essentially, it's uh, it's a really cool way to be able to celebrate what we've done over the past year in regards to accessibility uh, and being able to see what the future is for uh, for accessibility moving forward. Now, if somebody has somehow missed you, because you've been on all sorts of kind of funny content with us for a long time now, mm -hmm. but you know, most recently, PSI Love You, right? You popped in there to talk about Returnal and accessibility there. If they've missed you and don't understand that. What is accessibility and why does it matter beyond people who are disabled? So accessibility is um, essentially a way for disabled players to be able to um, play video games, um, whether you have a motor disability uh, or blindness like I have. I have a condition that's called nystagmus, which means that my eyes move back and forth and it's hard for me to be able to to focus and to be able to see uh, anything clearly. Uh, there's also deaf and hard of hearing uh, and also cognitive disabilities and essentially we all want to be able to play video games, um, but we can't just either because of our disabilities. And what we are trying to be able to sort of encourage studios to be able to do is to add in uh, disability or accessibility settings uh, or build a game based of, of on accessibility so that more people can be able to play. Sure. Um, Microsoft like uh, famously kind of said that when everybody plays, we all win. Uh, and accessibility and disability kind of falls into that. But I've actually been kind of recently been sort of saying that accessibility is actually for everyone at certain points in our lives we're going to need settings and options and accessible games uh depending on our situation uh we talked about it on ps i love you but essentially this goes beyond just people with disabilities it's incidental where if uh, if you're a parent and you have a kid just went down to sleep and you want to be able to play a game you don't want to disturb the, uh, your, your your child you definitely want to be able to have some of those settings so that you can be able to play without having to basically last war zone across uh, across your house <laughs> um or it's essentially like you like you may break uh, break your arm um or temporarily unable to see or hear the, these settings are going to help you and obviously we're all getting older we're like we're at an age now it's like oh, we're not going to have the same look at this sort of look at reflexes. these look at these gray hairs look at these gray hairs all right so come on old, i mean <laughs> 
I mean, ancient bear. It's going to come for you too, bear. And I'll laugh. No, I mean, I'll this laugh is, when this it also does. is, yeah, you know. <laughs> the beauty of all this is actually like, this is going to, I'm going to look like this when I'm 60. It's just a few more wrinkles. <laughs> You're going to be exactly the same. Exactly never change it. Um, but yeah, like we're not going to have the same reflexes uh, and as uh, like, as we had when our teens or, or early twenties, like it's all, we're all, we're all different getting older. Sorry, yeah. Barrett, but it's an inevitable so we are going to need uh, these settings. And so I think that it just is only going to benefit us later, like later on down the road, if we're starting to be able to kind of educate people about accessibility now and uh, promote accessibility when it happens in studios. And obviously with games like The Last of Us Part Two last yep. year, um, that's been a huge thing in the accessibility community and kind of changed a lot of uh, for myself personally and also with just within the industry. And it kind of uh, is still reverberating today. Speaking of that, Parker Petroff wrote in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames and says, Hello, Greg and Steve. I think it's great to see more accessibility options in games and seeing the slew of options games like The Last of Us Part Two had were great. However, I understand that a robust feature set like that is probably not possible for smaller teams and studios. I was wondering, Steve, what accessibility options do you think are the most crucial? If a developer came to you and said, we only have the resources to put in three accessibility features in this game, what accessibility features would you want them to focus on? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, I generally would also like to be able to kind of say, it's like, yes, I understand that obviously indie studios don't have as many resources to be able to um, add in accessibility. However, if you, if you start a project with accessibility as part of the design, there is a lot you can be able to do even from a one person team. Like there's one game that came out last year uh, called Hyperdot, and it was made by a very, very small team, but they started from the beginning to try to be able to make it as accessible as possible. Sure. And in doing so actually was nominated for uh, an accessibility award at the game awards last year, along with the last of us and Assassin's Creed Valhalla and all that. So it is definitely possible, but if you, but if you're already sort of thinking about, okay, we can only be able to fit in these amount of settings. We totally understand that. You're, you may be like very early on in your accessibility journey. So we definitely will still applaud that as far as specific crucial ones. I would say the ones that kind of have been uh, is that I would say are standard or should be standard across the board is obviously be able to adjust uh, the UI or the HUD uh, and based in size, especially in regards to like really small text is still a thing that we have to deal with uh, in games today. Sure. Um, so being able to adjust that having robust subtitles and caption options, um, having the ability to be able to remap controls uh, on console and on, on PC, uh, as well as the ability to, like, where you don't have to rapidly tap a button where you can be able to toggle it or, or pu uh, push to hold. Um, and there are several things that you can be able to do uh, to be able to tap into even just the system level settings on consoles today um, that I would definitely recommend looking into and, and see if you can be able to, to work into. So those would be kind of the, the okay. very, top, very, very top level. There's a lot more uh, below this sort of iceberg and in, in regards to accessibility. Um, but the, those would be the ones I would say would be the absolute uh, crucial for sure. If you want to hear more, ladies and gentlemen, about accessibility features, Global Accessibility Awareness Day, you can catch Steve on twitch.tv slash Xbox today at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, right after Kind of Funny Games Daily. And then you said you were doing something even after that, right? Yeah, so uh, Twitch is also uh, celebrating uh, Global Accessibility Awareness Day and having a few disabled streamers um, on the homepage uh, as well. So I'll be streaming uh, today uh, from, uh, I think it's 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I'll be on the homepage, uh, the place they're playing uh, Destiny, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be sort of celebrating uh, uh, that today as well. 
Now, hold on one second. I want to put a thing in it because this is what's happening in the chat that I've seen go through. I saw Tones3311 say, Steve sounds a lot like Barrett. And then I saw uh, Black Sparrow Media say, so Steve sounds exactly like Barrett, right? And I saw this when you came through and did P.S. I Love You. Some people said yeah. So I'm making a poll right now. I saw now that. Yeah, chat. an older Barrett. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and here's the thing. is like This is always weird because when you hear your own voice, it like always sounds like a little weird and stuff. Like I personally don't hear it, but... You have such a great voice that I, I like. I take the compliment because I'm like, oh, like if like Steve has such a great voice, people are saying I have such a great voice. So I appreciate. Eric, it. Steve, you both the, have great voices. Yeah. Uh, I, hey, I it, we'll, I'll uh, I'll take the compliment people as well. Also say I sound a lot like H. John Benjamin uh, every once in a while, which I appreciate because he's. Uh, I get that. His, I totally his voice get that. Uh, of Archer and Bob's from Bob's Burgers, I really like so. Oh, yeah. Okay. I hear that for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the poll is going. You have three minutes. And while that happens, let me tell you that we are going to talk about maybe the fact that Time Splitters is back. Maybe the fact that Starfield's coming next year. And maybe the fact that I have a lot more news to run through because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show at patreon.com slash Games. Just like Parker was, you can write in with your questions, comments, concerns, everything under the daily video video game son about the news about the guests about whatever you want of course on patreon.com slash kind of funny games you can get all sorts of exclusive bonuses uh you can get post shows for gamescast you can get early access to watch live as we record things uh, before anybody else gets them you can have a great time uh, of course you can get this show ad free and you get this show with the exclusive post show we do each and every weekday however if you have no smackers to toss our way uh you can go to twitch.tv slash kind of funny games and watch us record the show live each and every weekday at 10 a.m pacific time if you you're watching live just like frog knight joshy g is travis warren is in strand gaming are you have a special job go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames roosterteeth.com and listening on podcast services around the globe each and every weekday housekeeping for you uh right now there's a brand new episode of the kind of funny podcast up on youtube.com slash kind of funny and podcast services around the globe it has my favorite podcaster anna sale from death sex and money on to talk about her new book let's talk about hard things and i am one bottle of wine deep the entire time and i'm having a great time get over there and talk to anna and listen listen we talk about hard things with me uh tim and andy it's a really great episode uh tomorrow after kind of funny games daily it is our fundraiser for palace palestine uh it's gonna be 11 a.m. Pacific time, twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. You can go donate right now at kindoffunny.com slash Palestine. We, of course, are raising money for the Palestine Children's Relief Foundation, uh, taking care of civilians over there who are affected by, obviously, this horrible, horrible uh, war, tragedy, conflict, whatever you want to call it over there. But basically, uh, we want to be helpful people in this world. So we're going to be streaming tomorrow. We're all really close right now to hitting uh, $25,000 when I I thought we were going to struggle to get to $5,000 on on the Friday, but you've done it long before then, so thank you as always, Kind of Funny Best Friends. Like I said, uh, kindoffunny.com slash palestine. Stream tomorrow after Kind of Funny Games Daily. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack and Tom Bach. Today we're brought to you by Caviar and Credit Karma, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Five items on the Roper Report. Uh, Sussin. 
I don't know what you did, but it was, <laughs> it was, was like you were, you were being transported through another dimension the way it came out. You got here in the end, and this is not on the Roper Report. This is a bonus news story, everybody. Uh, does Steve sound like Barrett? 69% nice. Say yes, nice. Steve and Barrett sound alike, so there you go. But let's get to the Roper Report. <laughs> <laughs> Number one on the Roper Report. I don't know if you can believe it, ladies and gentlemen, but Time Splitters is back. Let's go, baby. Time, Time Splitters has been revived. Deep Silver at 10 o'clock last night put out a tweet and a press release. The press release reads like this. Today, Deep Silver announces the formation of a new studio that will bring the much-loved Time Splitters brand back to life. Key original members of the Free Radical Design team, including founders Steve Ellis and David Doak, have reunited to reform Free Radical Design. The highly regarded free radical design team has a 22 year heritage under various guises and is responsible for some of the best, I'm sorry, the best loved, most iconic video games of the early 2000s, including Time Splitters, the first title it released in 2000. The critically acclaimed Time Splitter series went on to include two further iterations, all of which were loaded with humorous pop culture references as players battle across various locations and historical periods. Quote, to finally be able to confirm that the studio has been formed and that we have a plan for the next Time Splitters game is incredible, commented Steve Ellis, studio development director at Free Radical Design. Quote, while we cannot tell you anything more at the moment, we look forward to sharing information in the future. The Free Radical Design team will commence development on the next Time Splitters game in the coming month. Coming months. Uh, for now, they are connecting on building the studio, which will be situated in the Nottingham area. Open positions within the studio will be advertised in due course. Free Radical Design is a Deep Silver studio following the purchase of the Time Splitters IP by Deep Silver owners Coke Media in 2018. Steve. Hmm. What the f- I, this is like I, I I this is what people have wanted forever another Time Splitters. Sure, you knew that would eventually happen like they're talking about here. We saw the IP make some moves. We saw Deep Silver come and, you know what I mean, get it and stuff. But to bring back two of the original guys to reform free radical design a studio that was gone and erased from his like i do you i this was very unexpected to see at 10 o'clock last night steve let's start there yeah i mean i'll admit like i i've i've haven't played the franchise myself um but i mean like it is still kind of rare that essentially that that people will kind of get back together and bring the band back together again it's the Makes you kind of wonder. It's like, okay, are they gonna they gonna stick it around for the for the long haul? But I mean, hey, if they've got the IP back and they have a passion to be able to make another one, and they think they can, um, that'd be great. I would love to be able to like see like a remaster, so that I can uh, like for modern consoles. I'd love to be able to try them out, but uh, I don't. know, Maybe that's on the, in the plans as well as a sequel, but we'll we'll see. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, like, there's a lot to unpack when it comes to time splitters. As Barrett shows you some footage here, of course, this of being a PlayStation game uh, or PlayStation Two game. That at least how I remember it. Uh, but that's the thing is, I barely remember time splitters. I barely played it. My friend Jason, I think, brought it over uh, back in the day, and we fooled around with it for a couple nights. However, there is a big fan of time splitters on this call. His he is, of course, Forbes thirty under thirty, aka the second best baby blues in San Francisco, aka the verified one at Tim Gettys. Tim, how are you this what, main Tim morning? Host. I'm only on uh, my voice right now. I'm not on video, but you know damn well during the intro, I still did all my little hand motions. And yeah, stuff, you did. That's yeah, how yeah, much yeah, I respect yeah. you, Greg. Yeah, yeah, you gotta love Thank it. You. Now, Steve, you, you you brought up a very salient point here, saying that it's very rare for things like this to happen, and rare is exactly where this all started. Mm-hmm. We are talking about the guys that helped make Golden and perfect exactly. dark right so taking that back in the rare days taking that 
over to the free radical design when they they put out time splitters one on playstation 2 this was a ps2 launch game and like the thing that time splitters is is kind of most known for is introducing console gamers in a major way to dual stick uh shooters the idea of aiming with the right analog stick and then moving with the left now Halo obviously is the one that really, really, really made that a mainstream thing uh, for console gamers. But there was an arcadiness. Like, Time Splitters is a perfect example of a franchise that is caught between generations, where mm. this very much was a sequel to the GoldenEye Perfect Dark type of gameplay. And they just modernized it in a way that was at that point next gen, talking about the PS2. And eventually, Time Splitters sure. 2 and 3 would go to uh, GameCube and Xbox GameCube, as Xbox, well. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it was the perfect blend of a super fun campaign with a wacky story going through a bunch of different uh, locations. Again, very, very, very a 2000s game. Uh, but then as it kind of would go on, the multiplayer really, really, really had this fun and they called it arcade mode. It felt like an arcade mode. It, it felt like they kind of took everything that we loved so much about the N64 heyday of multiplayer uh, first-person shooter games and modernize it with these new controls that everyone was kind of getting used to, but still keeping all the fun of the proximity mines and the the crazy rockets and all the the, the odd job of having the different you know, jaws, <laughs> you know, of having one guy super tall, one guy super short, so that changes the gameplay. That was the entire premise of what Time Splitters uh, multiplayer was, was goofy shenanigans. One guy's a monkey, one guy is a a, a walking hand one guy's a hippie from the 70s one guy is literally vin diesel yeah. like the, they eventually make the main character uh a parody of riddick and it's so ridiculously like just no that's <laughs> just vin diesel that's <laughs> sergeant Co cortez like the main player uh main character um all that's to say i am super 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 excited for this this is something that i've been wanting to hear for a very long time and we've heard variations of this for man over Ever? a decade almost yeah. 15 years now like there was a time splitters four. they originally teased it i remember uh I, I don't remember the exact date but it was like it must have been 2008 or something uh it was a post gears world because they were parodying gears with the logo like i remember the monkey from time splitters was like the skull of the gears logo uh and then that never happened and then there was the time splitters rewind project which was a fan-made thing uh, them trying to remaster it themselves and that's been ongoing for mm. literally ever too and then there was another potential sequel and it just nothing's ever happened there, there so is that leads a, us... the ability to play it uh in Homefront: the revolution which i keep like uh, wario 64 will always tweet about uh when there's a deal on that game that like there's like some easter egg where you can just that was the one they lost the code right yeah and they found and, the code and, or whatever like, yeah. they you could just unlock time splitters too in that game which is really fucking weird yeah so all that awesome, said though. tim all that yes. said and all this history and barrett i know you're a fan as well so uh, you know it's just you know tim's so much older than you and he's got so many more years than you. yeah he's played yeah it. you know you were, you were in a crib dude. when this originally got released uh sure. tim are you excited for this do you think it has any chance at actually nailing it because jordan lee rowan writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says time splitters looks like it's coming back and i wonder if time splitters has anything new it can offer to the fps genre or will it just feel like an old antiquated game yeah, there's a lot there, and I, I really want to start off with the, the first thing of will this actually turn into a game at all? That's a big question, especially with THQ Nordic being who gonna, they are, when everybody Silver being who they are. When this got published last night on the the Kind of Funny Slack channel, right, of like, oh my god, this is back. What I wrote was this, Deep Silver revealed Dead Island 2 seven years ago, and that game still isn't out. So for them to come out and be like, Free Radical's back, it's forming right now, I'm like, all right. 
Yeah. All right, everybody. See you in maybe seven, eight years on this game. But I, but I, or never, and that's like the reality too. But I, I say this a lot, and I stand by it. Like Metroid Prime Four is officially happening. Like it might not be anytime soon. It has been many years. There's been many problems. But Nintendo has said Metroid Prime Four. If they didn't, we would just be asking for it. We would just be hoping and assuming that maybe one day they're going to make another Metroid game. We at least now know they're making another Metroid game. At least with this, they are making another Time Splitters game with mm -hmm. the original team. Does that game actually get completed? Does it actually come out? Is it actually going to be good? Those are all other questions. But at least we don't need to sit here and wonder, are they making another Time Splitters? They have the IP. Are they actually going to do anything with it? They are actually doing something with it. Again, it might not work out. But... To me, this is fantastic news. This shows that they actually care at all. I love seeing the reaction today. People seem very excited about this. That's cool. Now, to answer uh, the question of Jordan here, it's going to be a, a very uphill battle. Like this, again, I, I started this by saying that the Time Splitters franchise, all the way from the launch on the PS2 launch day to the, the Time Splitters Future Perfect, the third game at the tail end of that generation's life cycle. Like that game kind of very much was that era and was caught between generations. What does that mean for now, four generations later or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. you know, uh, especially whenever this game actually ends up coming out to me. And I've said this a lot, like this, this all surprises me of what I end up thinking this game might be what I want it to be. What I think it best would be fit as would almost be a switch exclusive to really double down, make it a smaller game, make it a multiplayer arcade focus. Let's go back to the roots. Let's go, let's treat it like a GoldenEye sequel, like it always kind of was, a Perfect Dark sequel, right? Let's strip it down. It is just old school couch uh, split screen arcade multiplayer where it's all about the shenanigans and the stupid weapons and, and just uh, kind of having fun with your friends, you know? Uh, a bunch of different game modes, like the capture the flag type stuff and all that, like... Uh, but in a much less serious way than what we expect from a Halo or or something like that. Just pure Nintendo-style fun. And I think that's where something like Time Splitters can shine the most. And I'm not trying to limit it to an exclusive. Like, if it's going to be on other consoles, that's fine. I just think that on other consoles, it'll be compared to other similar-looking things. And that'll be its downfall for sure. But I do think that there could be a really fun campaign story and super awesome multiplayer that would make for a perfect party mode. Can this be a $70 game in this world i don't think so and i don't think that it should but i think it could be a banger 40 dollars game and an even banger or 20 dollars game if done correctly free to play battle royale steve sailor do you play time splitters <laughs> uh i don't know maybe um i mean actually <laughs> it's yeah uh i mean it's interesting you say like it could be on uh, like you're, you're predicting it'll be on the switch because like I, i'm i'm thinking i'm now thinking like that's that would definitely be a swing for left for left field because yeah. essentially like it was originally on PlayStation 2. Um, but I mean, you know what? You could kind of have a pretty good argument. Essentially, I could see this like, could this be the first person shooter for the Nintendo Switch? That's where I think it fits at home. And I don't think I'm predicting it's going to be there. I'm saying I'm personally hoping and I think that would be right. the best home for this type of game uh, to really give it a chance to to succeed and be something special because it's just quirky enough. It's that nostalgia. We, we keep seeing retro games and, you know, we've seen so many 2D platformers. And then we're starting to see a lot of the more like top down uh, action RPG types and also just old school JRPG types uh, in this retro kind of. Uh, situation where we're starting to see 3d platformers come back a little bit i would love to see this era of first person shooter kind of make a a, a return in a more modernized way because we've seen it even with the more competitive shooters like counter-strike 
has kind of reinvented itself over the years, mm-hmm. uh, and, but is still super relevant. Time Splitters doesn't have that luxury, and I totally understand that. But uh, I, I think that there's a lot here. I would love to see remasters of some sort. I don't think that those remasters are going to change anyone's mind and you know get you guys to play them for the first time and be like, yeah, this is it. Because uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be for the fans for sure. Yeah, totally. And the fans will have a good time with them. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's like you know the the games I'm guaranteed do not hold up in a modern sense. But that's okay. Like that's not kind of what their point is. Like these games felt nostalgic to me when I was playing them. So take yeah, that for yeah. what it's worth. Okay. Well, we'll see. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you very Love much you guys. for your Love you, guys. Love you, Steve. Here. Love you, Bye. Tim. Love you, Sergeant <laughs> Cortez. <laughs> Why is he talking to Sergeant Cortez? Anyway, yeah, uh, number two on the... Ass. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Totally. I thought it was an Andy reference. I thought it was somebody in the chat. I'm like, I see Crown Prince. I don't see... Crown Prince remake wet. Don't make remake. Don't remake wet. We don't need to remake wet. Don't worry about wet. Uh, number two on the Roper Report, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about everybody's favorite topic, Starfield Rumors. Uh, or as I also subtitle this one, a.k.a. Ha 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 John BX32. Remember this John BX32 kid, everybody? Oh, I'm going to be playing Starfield this fall. I know it, everybody. I know it. And then he tried to backtrack <laughs> when he got idiot. called out. Idiot. Uh, over on Twitter, we're going to read from a Jason Schreier uh, Twitter thread here. However, he quote tweeted Luke Stevens, a YouTuber who had tweeted, apparently Starfield has been, quote, pretty much done since September of last year. Bethesda Game Studios has spent the year polishing it and refining it, or refining the next-gen port. I'm told they're trying to, quote, make up for Fallout 76 and deliver a game that's, quote, polished to perfection. Coming this year, dot, 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 watch. Jason quote tweeted that and said this. Rumors like this keep floating around, but Starfield is nowhere near done, according to several people familiar with the development. It'll be at E3, but the planned release date I've heard is way later than most people expect. Sharing this so that people keep their expectations, or folks keep their expectations in check. What people might not realize is that the bulk of Bethesda Game Studios, including the Maryland office, was working on Fallout 76 until it launched. Starfield's team was very small until 2019. Rumors that the game was planned for 2020 or far into production then are just not true. I've seen some skepticism about this point, to, to which I'd recommend you dot 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 look at the credits. Let me make this very clear. Bethesda's plan is to tease a release date for Starfield at E3. That date is late 2022. I'll leave the specifics to them. But please keep your expectations in check and refrain from sending death threats when the other rumors turn out to be false. John BX32, you dumb son of a bitch. We've been saying it for how long? And you wanted to come in here and come on PSI Love You's live chat and be like, no, no, no. It'll be 2021 fall. Now Jason Schreier has you by your hair and he's going, listen to me, John BX32. Dear God, Greg, I'm, I'll just, you know, I'll just go now. <laughs> you got it. Here's the thing. Kind of funny. We're all, you know, we're best friends. Everybody knows that. But sometimes these best friends need to be grabbed and told something. All right. And that's never doubt Greg Miller when he makes it. I think it'd be next year. Uh, Steve, does this surprise you? Where were you? Where were you trying to plot uh, this for the old Starfield? I didn't even believe that this was going to be a 2021 game. Um, there, like the fact that like everyone kept saying that it was going to be like it's it's going to be exclusive xbox that i believe um but like saying that it's going to be so soon i'm like no we we haven't here's the thing we have not seen anything official about starfield other than a logo 
And that was in 2018. We have not seen any gameplay. We have not seen an actual trailer of anything other than just literally a logo and saying it's coming and it's the next project and stuff like that. So I like it. W- it would be so silly to build it like like say a game is going to be coming out this year and we haven't heard anything about it. Now, E3 would be definitely a good spot to build, obviously, like give some more details, hopefully, obviously show a trailer or at least another teaser or give us a, a, a sort of semi release date. I would I would say 2022 is a probably good sort of assumption. Uh, it being late 2022 might be. I don't know. I'll, I'll split down the middle. Jeff Grubb says uh, 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 Q1. I say summer. Let's let's go for that. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Grubb's already tried to come out on Twitter and be like, listen, listen, I was a little too vague with the blessing thing, yada, yada. He just meant it was a 2022 thing. But more importantly, John VX32, kind of funny best friend, and 60, I'm sorry, 56 month subscriber is here live right now. And he's going at me in the chat yeah. with this quote, quote, I doubt it's a next year game, Greg. That, that's something I said in this conversation that I doubt it was coming in 2022 even. Guess what, John VX32? Take it to the fucking bank. It's Bethesda in Microsoft are saying, Starfield's coming in late 2022. It ain't coming in 2022, son. It's coming in 2023, which means that Greg Miller was fucking right once again. And I also see people like nanobiologists stepping up. They want to get grabbed by the hair, all right? They're in the, you're wrong, saying, hey, Greg, remember when you said Starfield would be on the PS5? Yeah. No, I actually don't remember saying that because I've never been one of these people going, boom, boom, definitively, here's what's happening. I've always been the coward saying I see both sides. Maybe it's PS5 maybe it's xbox i can make a case if it's this year it would be on both if it's next year maybe it's just on xbox i've never had a horse in that race that's the paris lily game all right you want to talk to somebody out there who came down from the mountaintops with these etched stone tablets who was like xbox exclusive (laughs) that was him looks like he's right godspeed to him i'm the one saying it wasn't this year i'm the one right now everybody close your eyes and picture it if you're driving your car just close your one eye keep one eye open this let, let your left eye be the one that you're actually envisioning this John BX32 is standing there. He's like, let's just be friends. And he's trying to cheers me with the beer. I stone cold stun his ass right now. All right, that's it. Jason Schreier's over there. He comes in with like the money in the bank thing and he hits John BX with it too. Then for no reason at all, Barrett covers him. We count the three count Barrett's the new Intercontinental Champion. I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna go to bat for Greg here. It's like I direct all of our main games podcast, PSI Love You XOXO, Gamescast, and Xcast. Greg has never definitively said that uh, Starfield was gonna come to PS5. Now that he, uh, Barrett's the new Intercontinental Champion, me and Jason Schreier are carrying him around the ring like this. Uh, the one and only uh, vicious man himself, Paris Lilly, comes in. He's got that old Undertaker symbol. He straps John BX32 to that and lifts him up in the rafters. We're having that ministry angle again. God, WWF Attitude Era was so good. You know what I mean? So no, good. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were not even born yet probably when that was happening. Let's go to Juvenator, though, who jumps on a point you were making, uh, one and only blind gamer Steve Saylor. Uh, Juvenator, of course, wrote in to patreon.com slash games just like you uh, could and want to. It says, hi, Greg and Steve. Happy Thursday. First of all, pouring one out for the homie John BX32, who has been playing Starfield for the last five years. Let me stop right there. Maybe you're somebody who stumbled into this podcast. You don't listen to Games Daily every day. I fucking adore what we do and the fact that 
on a the live chat on a PSI Love You has risen John BX32 to legendary status where people are writing into the show about him and you all get the joke. And if you don't, you understand because he's now in the rafters because Paris just lifted him up there on the Undertaker symbol. I love kind of funny. I love our community. Thank you for playing with us and talking about video games. Back to Drew Nader's question. With the news that Starfield is targeting 2022, while previous rumors indicated 2021, 2022, my question is simple. What's a better strategy? Laying out what projects you have in development years in advance, thus removing the opaqueness from that has clouded uh, the video game industry forever, or announcing what you're making close to when it will be shipping. Both have pros and cons. Uh, hype of announce versus hype of, oh shit, the game is out this year. I mean, we know what movies MCU has in production literally six years in advance, but I guess games is a different beast uh, with that with a different audience. Thanks for all you do. P.S. I'm just hoping Starfield is as fun as previous Bethesda games. Once it comes out, Smiley, take all the time you need. Steve, you were talking about this, right? Of like, oh, well, you know, there's only a few months to go. Would it do it? I think so many people have, uh, you, you know, pointed to how Bethesda handled Fallout 4, where it was that we they're around MIT. What are they doing? There's all this stuff. They're working on it. They're really deep. And then it was E3. All right, here's Fallout 4, and it's coming this fall. Short run-up, short window of PR. Let's go. Do, where do you come down with Juvenator's question? Um, I think there's there's some validity to that, especially like, yeah, you want to be able to get as much hype as possible. But then also you're like some people can be like, oh, man, now I got to wait for like two years for this thing to come out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but also like, yeah, I th I don't think that there's I mean, making games is a lot is a lot difficult than than uh, than making a, a, a Marvel movie. Not saying that one is the uh, more strenuous or stressful than the other. But I'm mean, essentially it's like with like with making a movie. You have all the equipment already there, whereas with a game, you have to build the equipment and then make the like uh, make mm, the actual mm, product. Mm. So there's a lot more involved uh, with that. Um, and it's something that essentially like I've kind of even con considered in regards to accessibility was that when can you be able to talk about accessibility in, in, in that process? And I think it sure. just kind of depends on um, on really what like when they started actually that kind of development. And I think with Starfield. They could have been working on this uh, for quite a while, um, and it's definitely possible given the um, the fact that Todd Howard has been involved with uh, with it from uh, from the beginning. So I, I think it's definitely had a very long run up, but it depends on kind of what that game is. Is it a Skyrim where you just have this ever expanding world spending like hundreds of hours in or is this going to be like a 30 to 40 hour experience? So I think. Being able to like announce it, it really depend. Uh, I think it really just depends. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm one to be like, I'm okay with knowing it about a year or two out. Not necessarily like a like a cyberpunk where we knew about it in 2012 and it didn't come out till eight years later. Sure, sure. And that's the roll of the dice on what you do, right? We're talking. You you talked about it earlier, right? Starfield. All we have is a logo. Everyone mm -hmm. is foaming at the mouth for this because of Bethesda's pedigree, because of their open world prowess, because of the fact to be a new open world, a new universe. That gets me super excited. But it is this idea that, yeah, we don't know what we're getting with it, but we're so excited based on Todd Howard, based on Bethesda. And mm -hmm. so you really do have to wonder of like, it almost goes to, I think, Tim's Metroid Prime 4 he was talking about when we were talking about time splitters of, yeah, it's great to announce these kind of things, and you see game studios do it, but you're also learning, I think, the pitfalls of doing that, where, you know, Tim's like, I know they're working on a Metroid Prime 4 in some way that that's happening. Sure, but every Nintendo Direct now, where there isn't a Metroid Prime 4 announcement, somebody's like, God, where is Metroid Prime 4? Why is it in hell? Yada, yada, yada. If they never told us about Starfield, would we be 
so ravenous about the release date and about if it's going to be exclusive to Xbox and what that means and yada, yada, yada. Like, you wouldn't have as many things lined up knowing what it is. Now, is that good or bad? I can't say because I think Starfield is going to do just fine. But you talk about something like uh, uh, Cyberpunk, right? Where it was the fact that that game won, you know, game of the year or game of the show at E3 two years running from IGN, I want to say. Maybe even, uh, what a kind of funny game. I forget. But it's won multiple E3 game of the shows, right? Back to back where people were like, the things we're seeing in this demo are, are unbelievable. And guess what? When it shipped, we found out it was unbelievable. <laughs> like they weren't really there. And it's like, how do you like there's such a balance to the act of and it, there's such a balance, and then it's such an apples and oranges comparison all the time. Cause that's yeah. what I had been saying about Starfield, right? Was hey, I get and this is one of the things when I was, you know, not even doing the fun j- joking around with John BX32, but having a real conversation from uh, the belief that it could be this year is like I just don't see this game getting that rollout. Fallout 4 was Fallout 4. It was the fourth game. How much more do you need to know about what Fallout is? There's a huge fan base that buys shoes and Funko Pops and bobbleheads. Like, there's an audience. There's a built-in audience for that. And while, granted, there's a built-in Bethesda audience for Starfield, there's also a brand-new fertile field of things to talk about and characters Mm -hmm. to introduce and systems to, you know, display. And I just don't see them doing the same. All right, cool. It's June. We're talking about it, and it's coming out in September. Like, that's not yeah. enough time. This makes more sense of let's talk about it big here and then do some more drops before it inevitably comes out. Plus, as well, it's like we we all we only know the sort of the public facing of uh, of this game in in the fact as well. It's like Bethesda is a, is a large studio. We don't know what else they're working on behind the scenes and how far along in developments other projects are that haven't sure. been announced yet. They're like Bethesda is in a different place, space where they kind of make these multiple games kind of roughly around the same time. And that's different than, say, something like a Naughty Dog, where they're able to dedicate the entire studio into the, into one particular game that there's a difference of like having hundreds of developers working on the same project or to, compared to a, a, another studio that's basically working on multiple projects here and there. And like, also, where do you allocate resources to be like, okay, all in on Starfield right now or all in on also Elder Scrolls six? Like we haven't heard anything more about that other than just a logo. And where so where is that in development? Like and how much resource are dedicated to that, too? And plus everything else that they've got working on. So I think it was. Yeah, it was kind of. I, I didn't fully believe, yeah, it would be coming out this year. Uh, and actually, I kind of thought it was going to be like, I, I, to be honest, like when it first was announced, I'm like, okay, this is like a good like five, six years out, um, especially with just the how big uh, Bethesda likes to to make their yeah. games and make it really uh, amazing experiences. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great conversation. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> in the chat john bx32 says jokes aside todd pretty much said he didn't want to show it until it was closer to coming out that with the e3 rumblings is a big reason i thought it could hit this year i understand that and i but i then also like it's that sliding scale of what is closer to coming out mean to todd howard when he's talking about promoting a game let alone now that xbox is involved i do have a question actually for you greg because this is kind of made me think about uh about this as well we've we were very convinced about the fact that we knew this game was going to be coming out of this year or next year but we were also very convinced that God of War Ragnarok is supposed to was supposed to come out like it's supposed to going to be delayed till next year or whichever. So yeah. there's like where does that kind of come in, uh, into play? Uh, like uh, or where do you where are you thinking about in regards to that? Because we're another, kind of it, on the two sides of the corn. It's another super home run by Greg Miller, who as soon as he saw the logo was like, yeah. not a chance, yeah. not a fucking chance that's coming Tell next Greg. year. Tell if you're going to just show you know, a logo, Corey Barlock, that means all Corey's got is a whiteboard and it says Kratos question mark kill like you know what i mean no they don't know they're doing over there 
They brought in a lot of peers to fix the whole thing is what I heard. That is a lie. Don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, God of War Ragnarok's another one where I hope it's next year. I know it's not this year. I hope it's next year, but that's another one I could see easily going to 2023 because that's another mm-hmm. one you can't mess up. And, and for me, when you talk about this year, right, for PlayStation and, and just, and I guess, hype games, not even PlayStation so much, right? I really like to get into this question of Horizon where it mm. is. Sure, they've been pretty mum on Horizon, right, since they showed that thing, but said it was this year. But they showed us stuff from it. So the question really then becomes, cool, has this all been the build-up to Ratchet and Clank in less than a month? Can't wait. Ratchet and Clank, right? And they're going to drop that and knock on wood for Insomniac and and not even being a Sony fanboy. Knock on wood for gamers. It's a fucking nine. Everybody loves it. It's great, yada, yada, yada. And then they piggyback off of that. Because this is that drops right at E3, right? They piggyback off of that into July with here's the state of play and let's talk about Horizon. And do they actually say Horizon's coming in the fall, or is that when they talk about Horizon's coming spring of next year? Sure. I mean, yeah, we just don't really know about any anyone's plans like for the for the fall of this year. Um, even some of yeah. the things we sort of think about are like staples uh, of each year. We don't even know if there's going to be anything uh coming out so i mean yeah pandemic have messed a lot of that so it's yeah. i think a lot of people are like last year's are able to keep things a little bit closer to the chest uh in that sense so i mean we'll see um back I'm, for I'm, blood hey, back for blood makes... in october everybody will save the industry yeah exactly there we go <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to know what's coming this fall maybe you should tune into e3 june 12th through the thir- 15th i'm hosting it come on over yay uh how much time i got I think this is a quick one, but uh, so Steve, put on your quick cap, all right? This is a quick cap, and then we'll go to an ad, and then we'll do something else. Uh, Nanobiologist wrote in, there's a thing making the rounds today uh, about like, oh man, Bethesda and Xbox are doing a joint conference this year. It was a translation from a comment, and for me, it's old news because they already, we already knew that, that there was, that they had said, oh, it's going to be, there'll be something, but there'll be a delineation between the two, but I still like the question, right? Uh, Nano says, uh, in years past, Xbox has been about two hours, while you know Bethesda has been about an hour to an hour and a half. Is this too many announcements in such a compact window? I get that they're under one giant roof now, but I got the feeling that it'll be even more o- overshadowing of games, particularly indie games, when we're getting big AAA announcement after big AAA announcement from both of these powerhouses at once. Steve, do you worry about them being butted up against each other there being a delineation but there being two xbox and bethesda things right on top of each other i don't think so because honestly it just allows microsoft to basically own the day uh for news like especially when you have like a multi-hour sort of announcement block like it's it just guarantees that and i think yes definitely a delineation is good um because then we can be able to have either xbox t stuff basically say hey tune into the bethesda thing right after this or whichever and yeah. i think that's great it, it, it sort of will show the kind of the how cohesive that this partnership will be so yeah i just think it just again it just allow xbox essentially to own that day whenever that uh that e3 presentation drops I'm with you, and we've talked about it on shows before, but I know we do a million shows. So here, for me, the fact that they're they're going to delineate and be like, all right, cool, that's the end of Xbox. Let's kick over to our friends at Bethesda, I think will actually break it up. Whereas if it was all one giant two-and-a-half-hour Xbox conference with Bethesda shoved into it, I think that's when your attention span nosedives, and you're like, all right, whatever. The fact that you have something for Bethesda fans knowing where they can go, Xbox fans knowing where they can go, and then the crossover between the two, it just gets back to what... E3 has been before, right? Like it has usually been that Sunday is Xbox followed by uh, Bethesda out there. And that's switched around obviously in years past, but I think I got that right from where it used to be. Yeah. And granted more hours between them, but the hours of breath, I think really think matter. And indie games are always going to struggle at E3, sadly. 
And that's why you have to champion what you see and what you like and want to go from there. But I digress. Steve, do you know what's great other than indie games? I, uh, video games. Video games Patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can go to be part of the show. You can go to get the post show we do each and every episode. And of course, where you can go to get the show ad free. But guess what, Jack? You didn't go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. So here's Tim to tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Caviar. Loving good food doesn't necessarily mean you're able to cook well if you want a good meal but need a little help, let the restaurant come to you. Caviar can help. I do it all the time. Let's be honest. I can't cook at all, and that's fine because I have Caviar to help me. Any food that I'm looking for, they will come deliver it right to my door. It's easy. It's great. Next thing you know, I'm eating some good food. Caviar is the food delivery app for people that are into good food. They bring the best local restaurants directly to your doorstep. Other apps may have the national chains, but Caviar keeps it local. Those hidden gems in your neighborhood, they're on Caviar. And I know this well. All the local taquerias that I love so much are now at my fingertips and they come right to my door and it's fantastic. If you're not sure what you want to eat, you can let Caviar staff picks recommend the best spots in your neighborhood to find your new favorite. Caviar curates local options for every taste, whether it's the perfect Reuben from the sandwich shop or the best Indian vegan curry. You always have options for whatever you want and options are always good, my friends. Uh, just for you guys out there, Caviar is offering $10 off an order of $20 or more. All you have to do is put in the offer code kind of funny at checkout. Remember, that's $10 off a purchase of $20 or more with the offer code kind of funny. Download the Caviar app and use offer code kind of funny kind of funny and next up shout out to credit karma okay credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits and who doesn't want instant gratification like that credit karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases when you use your credit karma money debit card you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to five thousand dollars you just pay with your debit card and if you win you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Uh, Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. That's awesome. Uh, Right now, you can visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Who doesn't want to win money? Uh, Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary exclusions and terms apply see rules banking services provided by mvb bank inc member fdic maximum balance and transfer limits apply one more time that's creditkarma.com slash win money and welcome back to number three on the roper report outriders the squares quote next major franchise this is marie over at gamesindustry.biz who writes people can fly as outriders reached 3.5 million unique players in its first month april 1st to may 1st 2021 publisher square enix announced uh that makes the title quote on track to become the company's next major franchise the announcement said uh john brook co uh, co-head of studio at square uh, enix external studios added that players average play time is over 30 hours with, quote, extremely high engagement for cooperative play, end quote. Quote, launching a new IP is never easy, and we remain very grateful for the community's support and feedback. We continue to listen carefully and want to assure everyone that we are committed to improving and enhancing the experience in the coming weeks and months. We also look forward to expanding on Outriders in the future, he continued. Steve, did you play Outriders? Did I get, did I get you? 
I did, yeah. Um, I had to stop after a little bit because uh, the world tiers essentially kind of got a little bit too intense sure, for uh, sure. for me. But um, uh, I've actually been wanting to be able to dive back in again because they actually did release an update that benefits me for accessibility is that they oh, were really? able to add the ability to be able to increase the uh, the HUD size uh, for everything. Um, so I, I jumped in there and I think it's you know, increased it to like 150 times what it's a uh, original uh, originally Very set nice. at which is really really cool so i think that was kind of that was one of the barriers i had for it but i liked it what i played so i think i might uh want to try to go back in and maybe like squat up and and try to be able to to finally finish the story because i was like it was it kind of it got me a little bit yeah no i like i was obsessed there for that week and that was the weirdest thing is everybody around here was obsessed for a week and it was what yeah. we talked about too it was, just, it was the perfect timing it hit right when everybody wanted to play something and that we can do something multiplayer and yeah i think the you know the fact that nobody cared about the story and everybody skipped the cutscenes. that's the one downfall to it and what's it makes me wonder what the legs of outriders are because they talk about you know we look forward mm. to expanding on outriders in the future and whether that means more content for the game which i know originally they said they had in previews this is a complete game then and they said after launch when they saw they had a hit hey if people want more stuff we'll do more stuff but it is this interesting call of if that comes if they give you dlc later in the year but we're all reinvested in something else would you come back to it because even me where i was trucking along you know uh looking to get my platinum in it and then took that week off to move and when i came back it was on to you know the string of reviews we've done let alone the fact that blessing isn't playing it anymore like you know what i mean it's not like i'm i'm seeing people online to go jump in and run around and do stuff with and i could organize a team but i don't know now i have to just do the dumb grindy things and i'm like yeah i don't know yeah that's a tricky thing even for me like being able to like especially on a game where it it benefits you to be able to play a multiplayer um is kind of hard for me to be able to play because generally multiplayer experiences are not super uh accessible um pve is generally okay that's why i enjoy uh, destiny uh as much as i do but um this one because of just the kind of difficulty and it was it, like i i, I want to jump in and i have some friends that like are will probably want to jump in with me but um it just really depends on kind of what can be able to kind of bring me back in whether that's um new dlc new story or even like i guess if they added a pvp mode that might actually be something interesting i kind of see like maybe like going like a gears 5 route where it just adds in mm. a bunch of like new experiences to it like either hive busters or horde mode or escape mode like stuff like that could be uh kind of neat for for what the what they can do with the franchise we'll have to wait and see Number four on the Roper Report. Good news, everybody. Todd Stashwick and Amy Hedig are back together again. This is Chris Scullion over at VGC, who says the co-writer of EA's canceled Star Wars project, Ragtag, has announced that he's reunited with this director, Amy Hedig, uh, to work on a new AAA adventure game. Todd Stashwick revealed on Twitter that he has joined Amy's uh, new studio, Skydance New Media, along with a core team of industry vets to work on a new title. Uh, Stashwick and Amy had worked together on Project Ragtag for two years at EA's Visceral Game Studio before EA reportedly canceled the project. Of course... Also worth noting, they were working on the original Uncharted 4. <laughs> he was going to be Nathan's, Nathan Drake's brother and is the original VO in that trailer that debuted. But when Amy uh, was let go, he left the project too alongside a whole bunch of different people. So that's exciting. We're still you know waiting to see what that is. But if you don't remember, speaking of VentureBeat at the time, Amy said the new company will target gamers and non-gamers alike on both traditional and emerging streaming platforms with new story-focused experiences. I love a good Amy game. I cannot wait to see what that'll be. And I'm glad that she's back with her friends, you know? And especially for... They were trying to get Uncharted together? No. They're trying to get the Star Wars game? No. What do you got next? Show me what you got. Yeah, I do feel bad for Amy. This is like she just keeps getting like passed over or like or just canceled projects after canceled yeah. projects. And I'm like, oh man, like just that talent. It just 
Yeah. No, like uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, she has her own, like her own studio essentially that can be able to kind of create the, the experiences that she wants to create. And heck yeah, if she's able to re revive the project, uh, uh, the Star Wars project, I, uh, I'm on board and, uh, I'm 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 hey it just as a Star Wars fan I'm excited let's let's go I, can you imagine if they got that they got it back again I don't think that'll happen oh, no, but even if they just know. you know True. you know, pivot no. to whatever the story they want to tell I mean, I'll be all about uh, maybe post uh, EA like exclusive yeah. and stuff like that like yeah. that might be yeah. something that but they you figure like here's the thing I always hear about licenses in general but also people working on Star Wars licenses right of just like how what a stickler you they are for the rules in their yeah. universe and of course it's their rules in their universe I'm not saying it's it but I do think that if you just got out of having you know this bad experience with sony this bad experience mm. with disney slash ea yeah. i think you'd be like you know what fuck it i'm making my own ip i'm making my own thing like yeah. i'm not going to worry about it having to worry about anybody else it's so, great yeah. uh, uh, evans alex andre in the chat asked uh, what was amy's last game and like last official release game uncharted 3 uncharted 3 yeah. uncharted 3 yeah, like, yeah. and, and yeah. she started production on uncharted 4 and then eventually left that project so yeah that's yeah. fucking wild it's crazy I mean, I just, I think we just, there's just one thing that we all need to do. We just need to bug John Drake to, to nope. get, them, nope. get them back there. Francis. No, oh, John okay. Drake, okay. John Drake is a, is a, is a, is, a, is he's a cranky old man and he's very busy, yeah, busy. He's so if, unless you're enough, talking about enough. small Wado, you don't bug That's John Drake. <laughs> all right. Party number two is get it for Amy. Speaking of EA, number five on the Roper Report, EA's got a new open world action studio. This is Brendan Sinclair over at GamesIndustry.biz. Electronic Arts Today announced it has tapped former Monolith Productions VP and studio head Kevin Stevens to head up a new studio in the Seattle area. The studio doesn't have a name yet, but it will be working to create an open world action adventure game. Steven knows the genre well, having overseen Monolith Productions uh, during the development of Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor and Middle-Earth Shadow of War. The open-world action-adventure genre is one in which EA has long sought a foothold. From its 2007 acquisition of Mercenaries developer Pandemic, along with Bioware, to the Godfather film adaptations uh, to a reported open-world Star Wars game by EA Vancouver that was canceled in 2019. The name of the studio uh, is, isn't the only detail still up in the air. It isn't clear yet whether the studio will be entirely based out of Seattle or allowing remote workers. Uh, Ryan declined to say whether the studio will work on original intellectual property or existing brands, but said ea is planning to talk a bit more about the studio in a fall in the fall so just wanted to put in uh, another one of like there's something cool you might see pay off in five years six years seven years so go get them but cool that they're bringing those people i know how much people love the shadow of mordor uh, game yeah shout out to the godfather film uh games uh because yeah. i love that first one on xbox uh yeah that was such a blast yeah i played two the most i think when you're driving around getting all the playboys and fun and all that but i yeah. digress uh Steve Saylor, mm -hmm. I'm incredibly excited to see what this open world studio will do. But five years to six years is still so far away. If I wanted something more immediate, say what came to the mom and grop shops, where would I go? You would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. Also, Greg, Strapping. I think Play, weren't Playboys uh, Mafia? fuck you're right you're right yeah oh god yeah. did i ever play the godfather game then i, I might know. not have no good call thank you barrett good good you're wrong i, I barrett. just, I good just one played like all uh or yeah yeah yet. that's why it's I on the tip of my tongue probably them, yeah. uh, last year or so fresh in the uh, no, i think they both were in like godfather 2 i think was in miami and i think isn't mafia 2 in miami as well or florida i don't know can't remember i don't know either mafia 2 uh, kind of jumps uh places but yeah uh, okay 
out today. Just Die already, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. The Wild at Heart, Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One, and PC. Grindstone on PC. Sakura Succubus 2 on Switch. Rise of the Slime on PS5, PS4, Xbox All Around, and Switch. That's what I'm calling it if it's on Xbox Series X slash S. It's Xbox All Around. Sure Footing, Xbox One. Alchemist Adventure, Switch. Color Your World, Switch. Backworld, Switch. Uh, Clanad, Side Story, Switch. Uh, Woodblock Escape Puzzles on Switch. Invernium, Switch. Tiger Trio's Tasty Travels, Switch. Raising Hell, Switch. Layers of Fear 2, Switch. Let Her Roll, Side Slide Puzzle, Switch. Uh, the Longest Road on Earth, PC. Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl comes to PS4, Xbox One. Manifold Garden comes to PS5. Uh, Frozenheim comes to PC. Uh, Lacuna, PC. Of Bird and Cage, PC. Unexplored 2 launches in early access. Frozenheim 2 is an early access 2, as I already said. Uh, GTA Online little update is El Rubio's compound is housing a very special and anticipated score this week in GTA Online. His valuable Panther statue, which all hosts of the uh, KO Perico heist will be able to scout as a primary target. Uh, and then the takeover is making its way to PlayStation 4, but I either did, cut off the date or didn't. But if you're in for the takeover, it's coming. Oh, no, it's today. That's what I mean. I thought it was a new date. Sorry, my apologies. New dates. Prison Simulator Prologue is coming to Steam on May 20th. Ninu Kuni 2 uh, Revenant Kingdom Prince's Edition will be coming to the Americas on the Nintendo Switch September 7th, 17th. Yeah. Ninu no no. Hey, uh, Higgledies for- are lit, man. Don't, don't fucking doubt the Higgledies, bro. No, I, I never played two, but I like the Ninu Kuni 1. Uh, foreclosed will be landing on all digital stores uh, this summer on August 12th. Uh, physical editions are coming in pre-orderable and yada, yada, yada. Uh, the Last Spell comes to Steam Early Access June 3rd. Descenders comes to Xbox all around uh, June. Well, I guess it comes to Series X slash S June. Uh, B-Fence B-Mastered releases June 24th for PC and home consoles. And there's a Monster Hunter digital event coming up. Uh, you can tune in for details on Monster Hunter Rise update version 3.0 and the latest news on Monster Hunter Stories 2, twitch.tv slash Monster Hunter. I had a date. I don't know why. It just says May 2021. You're wrong or chat. What's the date on that? Call it out. Everybody's reporting on it. I thought I had the full date, but I don't apparently. Uh, and then... Mutazoni is coming to Nintendo Switch and Xbox May 26th. Uh, deals of the day. Here we go. May 26th is also the thing for the uh, Monster Hunter thing. Thank you very much. I want to say that's Mutazone. But yeah, the way it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I always said Mutazoni, and, and this is a convoluted one because when it came to PlayStation, uh, Pop Agenda worked on it, mm-hmm. and then now they are not working on... They're not PR for this release of it, so I'm pretty sure it's Mutazoni. But, Jen, if you're watching, feel free to you're wrongly. Uh, deals of the day for you. Uh, Xbox free play days are here again. You can celebrate the launch of Operation 7 or get behind the wheel and race the best drivers in the world all in this weekend's free play days. Gears 5 and F1 2020 are available for Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members to play right now until Sunday, May 23rd. Uh, and then Ori and the Will of the Wisps has a 50% off sale on the Nintendo eShop from May 20th to May 29th. Deep breath, Steve, you know? A lot of stuff happening there. Now, Steve, while we were live, some interesting Mm. stuff went up, and I think it might pertain to both of our interests. Uh, We had done a Ratchet & Clank uh, Rift Apart preview where when it all went up, you were like, great, did anybody talk about accessibility features? And I was like, they did, and they talked about, you know, slowing down time, and then Jonathan Dornbush, he horned in on the conversation. He was trying to tell you stuff too, but I'm your real friend. Don't listen to Dornbush. Uh, While we were live, Kebabs wrote in to your wrong and said, Insomniac released a blog post detailing all of Rift Apart's accessibility options for GAAD. Uh, not a 
you are wrong, but very topical. All features from Spider-Man Miles Morales return with new features including game speed, slow the game down 70, 50, or 30% speed, autoglide for the hover boots slash helipack, D-pad shortcuts for the above, contrast options, and photo mode. Several weapons can be set to hold or toggle uh, to allow auto-fire when they normally will not. Steve, how how's this hitting you? I know it's breaking news for you. Yes, um, I was able to take a look at the uh, at the article and has definitely some cool screenshots of what is going to be in the game. Um, definitely the high contrast mode is huge. Um, yeah. Miles Morales and the remastered Spider-Man actually they had an amazing high contrast mode that sort of emulates what um, what The Last of Us 2 did with its high contrast mode. Yeah. Uh, and it basically what it does is just kind of like highlights uh, enemies or your own character as sort of like a specific color. It kind of mutes the background. So it just sort of makes things pop out for you to be able to see better. Um, that is great. Like, honestly, I, I fully believe Insomniac is, like, is fully in on accessibility. Just what they did with Miles and with Spider-Man, they, they've been really pushing for accessibility for, for a long time. And I am very, very excited to be able to play Ratchet. I hadn't played any game in the franchise. I have it for, uh, for, for sitting on my hard drive, but I uh, haven't had a chance to be able to play it as of yet. But I'm really, really excited for this to come out. Like Just seeing what's all here. Oh, there looks like there's a lot here. And I'm, oh, I, I can't wait to dive into the settings and just to take a look at it and try it out. And just like we talked about at the preview, uh, one of the things I found, you know, as it, it, bridging our conversation about Returnal, right, is the fact that you can do all of this and it doesn't affect trophies. So you can go in exactly. there and tailor the game to your experience and there isn't some BS in there about, like, well, now you turn the speed down so you don't actually get this trophy. So great stuff, Insomniac. Looking forward to this game. Don't forget. Yeah. Uh, it's time to squad up. This is where one of you writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Give me your name, username, platform of choice, and why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you, and everybody plays games together. Uh, Aaron needs help on the PlayStation. Aaron's PSN is tricky17890, but it's T R I K Y17890. I need people to play the new raid coming out in Destiny 2 this weekend. I also have clan that only has a few active members, so we're always looking for new people to play with. If you want to run a raid in Destiny 2, hit up Aaron on PlayStation. Tricky, 17890. The old uh, Vault of Glass, they remastered it. Uh, is that raid. what it is? Is that what's coming yeah. out? Okay. That's the new raid. Sure. sure, Fran's all about it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But I broomed him and Andrew to the curb, so I never have to hear about Destiny again. <laughs> Even though I want to hear from, about Destiny from you in a second. Uh, anyways, though, uh, we ask people watching live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screwed up as we screwed it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Nanobiologist has two back-to-back here. It's first off confirming my suspicions. Cyberpunk won IGN's 2018 and 2019 Game of the Show Awards for E3. Thank you. Then, for us, when we were all like, what's Mafia 2 all about again? Mafia 2 is in Empire Bay, a fictional city based on New York, New York City, yeah. Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Boston, and Detroit. Yeah, and then like a Canadian weird amalgamation of of stuff, and like Mafia One was like I, I think a little more Chicago, uh, gotcha. kind of based. Canadian Greg writes in and says you missed the release for Game of the Year candidate parentheses according to Gary Witta Power Washer Simulator. Okay, so I, that is out today. Power Washer Simulator is out today. If you want to be a complete weirdo like Gary Witta, and I assure you, you do not. But he does have two Baftas, so who am I to argue? Ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not. It's Thursday, which means tomorrow's Friday, which means there's only one more Kind of Funny Games Daily for the week. It's going to be Blessing and Tim tomorrow morning. If you're watching live on Twitch, guess what? You have a stream right after this, twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. What's happening on it, Barrett? 
Uh, Blessing and Andy are going to play some Resident, Resident Evil, Evil Village, yeah. and then they're going to live react to some Overwatch 2 stuff uh, at noon. Um, and I just found out that Andy's running that, so that's, uh, Ooh, that's nice. You get to have a lunch. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're not watching live and you want to catch that later, of course, you can go to youtube.com slash plays our brand new third YouTube channel that's just the archives of our stream. Maybe you want to see me, Joey, and Mike get really drunk on wine yesterday while playing uh, the 100 Days Wine Simulator. Go at it. Have some fun. Uh, if you would like to see more of me and Steve, though, we're going to patreon.com slash games, where, of course, you can write in to be part of the show, get exclusive shows. You can get the show ad-free, and you can get the exclusive post-show we're about to do. Steve, before we go do that, though, Talk to me a little bit about what's going on. Where can people keep up with you? What What are the action items? What do you want to promote? Uh, yeah, you can be able to follow me uh, on Twitter at Steve Saylor, um, or you can be able to uh, follow me on Twitch because I'll be streaming later today on the, on the homepage for Global Accessibility Awareness Day, twitch.tv slash blindgamersteve. Uh, or you can be able to follow me on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash snowball. Perfect. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Steve, you were fantastic. I love you so much. Thank you for working with us so much so far this year. You're having a great year. You know what? We'll talk about it in the post show. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, it's been our pleasure to serve you.